Hi, this is the Liberal Sherpa, Kathy Aru, and um, this is the Liberal Sherpa podcast, and it's a continuation. If you listened to last week's podcast, it was a special edition for the uh, worldwide pandemic, uh, the coronavirus. And last week, we interviewed, um, I interviewed HHS Secretary Mike Levitt, and he answered your questions about what to expect health-wise. Uh, we, we wanted to know timelines, what was going on, who this was going to affect. Uh, now we're going a little deeper. Now we're talking about pocketbooks, money. And I'm turning to uh, one of my favorite uh, Wall Street sources, um, Matt. I call him Matt Wall Street. And I asked you to submit questions just like I usually do with all podcasts. Um, here's an example from Mal on um, Twitter. He asked, um, "How's uh, how's how are we going to recover? How's the U.S. going to recover from what seems to be a global recession uh, due to COVID-19? Are we going to have a global recession? Tyree asked about small business owners. Um, and there's so many other questions about the economy, our economy, personal economies. Yeah, stay tuned. Okay, I'm waiting for uh, Matt Wall Street to call me, which is how I have him saved in my in my phone. So Matt Wall Street, um, he'll tell us more about him when he calls me any minute. Okay, there he is, Matt Wall Street. Matt, how are you? Kathy, how are you? Good. Okay, I'm recording. You are officially on the podcast. Okay. You're, you're ready for this thing? We're, we're alive and so am I, so I'm ready. Okay, good. So you're going to laugh because you gave me your bio, your last name, your company's information. And um, being the responsible journalist that I am, I just have you down as Matt Wall Street on my, <laughs> on my phone. So I have all my notes and everything else on my computer. And that doesn't have your information. My phone has it, but I just have you. I have you as Matt Wall Street. So that's, that's my professional wrestling name. So, good, um, good. I knew you were a wrestler. I could tell by your <laughs> by your text. You're very feisty. Yes. Um, so so please, um, I will not. I will actually not give your bio, which is an honor to you because you can actually explain. To the listeners, um, who are uh, many Fox viewers, um, many people on Twitter who um, mock and harass me, yet say they love me, and so many others, um, please tell them exactly who you are and what you do. Because I I said you're um, an expert from Wall Street, and I trust you on all things money, economy, international money, like, you have your finger on the pulse of what's going on around the world right now when it comes to all things money. Is that correct? Uh, as much as anybody out there it, um, can have their pulse in a 24-hour, you know, totally global crisis or situation that we're in right now, um, yes, it's a large part of my job to uh, not only be up on what the news is and what is happened in the past, but also what people are reacting to and what are the predictions for the future. Okay, so you work on Wall Street, so that's accurate, right? I work with Wall Street and also do some advisement work for um, a few fund managers. Um, my company, Finance IQ, deals mainly with financial institutions, 
um, in the areas of training and development as well as uh, consulting, finance IQ with uh, another partner of mine who also has had a Wall Street background. His has been more on the asset management side. Mine has been more on the trading floor side and a bit on the buy side. So I'm an English major. So trading floor, that means you're one of those guys that like waves their hands and, and yells? Well, those typically those are what you see when you see film clips when there were people on those. Yeah. We're more in the futures pits or in the um, trading pits of New York, Chicago, London, where when you had a lot of people in them, they wore funny smocks, they had funny nicknames, and they had these uh, uh, you know, very, uh, um, very bespoke hand signals that they used to yeah. communicate to each other. Now, they are dealing for themselves. They're dealing for... Um, another person or investment group or the dealing for um, a, a large financial institution, but that's more of what we call an exchange. A trading floor is more of a, an open floor um, on a bank or on an investment bank or other financial services firm where they are sitting together, communicating you know, via these days, um, digital means or by the phone um, may be doing trades among themselves. So it's a more relaxed atmosphere, um, although, uh, you know, it, it, it's still a high-pressure situation. I mean, if I'm going back years, you can look at the floor that uh, the original Wall Street movie was yeah. filmed on. That's, that's more of the picture. It's not in the exchange pits. It's on a floor at a bank. And I spent uh, a good 20 to 25 years there. Oh, 20 to 25 years. So like the Michael Douglas Wall Street um, movie, right? Right. And then the Boiler Room. Did you see Boiler Room? I sure did. Ben Affleck and all that. Um, Wait, okay. So I know we're going through a global pandemic and uh, uh, coronavirus and this is awful. Do you know the hand signals before we get started? Do you know them? I'm not asking to you to define them. I'm just asking, do you even understand those things? I understand some of them. Oh my god, that's amazing! I thought it, I thought they were made up. Okay. Now there there uh, there are ones that um, you know are legit and are are being used um, much more so than others. Wow. Okay. So you're the real deal. So I, 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 I vetted you. I feel that you are the real deal, but I've, I've um, people may not know, but I, I, I've called you on occasion. If you don't mind me saying, I've called you on occasion when I do um, Fox business and I have asked you a few things that, just to verify. And um, you've been right on the money. You, you, you're, you're always, you know, you're always right on the money. So I trusted you today. Uh, when I ask people, I'm going to ask um, uh, a Wall Street guy, and I, I did give out your name, Matt. Uh, how to pronounce it? Tell me the last name so I don't mispronounce it. That's okay. Uh, Porio. P-O-R-I-O. Okay, Porio. I did spell it correctly, um, by the way, Good. for everyone. Uh, Matt Porio, but then um, on my phone, you're just Matt Wall Street. But Matt, Por- <laughs> Matt Porio. Okay, so I did tell everyone I'm interviewing uh, Matt Porio and... There's a lot of questions, and some are silly, but I think they're serious at the same time. So if you put up with these, I hope, is that okay? If Absolutely. You, okay, if you just kind of put up with these. 
Um, first of all, we do have um, a Fox, a longtime Fox um, uh, viewer and um, and fan who uh, texted yesterday that his wife has come down with the coronavirus. So uh, this is this is real. This is starting to hit home. You know, we've, we've got people that are listening to this who are have it right at home right now. So they, they need they need hope and um, they want honesty. So, okay, this is from um, Tyree Bruce, which is fascinating um, at uh, T-Y-L-I-G-H-64. She said, um, is, is, she said, I'm really looking forward to Matt Porio's take on all of this. Uh, six months to a year from now, will we be affected by this? Six months to a year from now, financially, will we be affected by this? Do you think? I, you know, if, if I have to give a top of the house answer, I would say yes. We will still be feeling the effects of what we're going through right now. Okay, so I say that in two levels. Number one is that the damage that this virus and the reactions to it have caused really any type of economic measure, whether it be the price of assets, whether it be um, prices of productions, the amount of productions, the amount of liquidity, um, the amount of commerce being uh, um, <clears throat> worked, it's going to have an effect that even if the worst part of this coronavirus sort of peaks and, and comes off in the next couple of weeks, as I think it will, um, we're going to see these repercussions um, going forward. Um, and I do feel we'll still see some of the effects in 12 months from now to go all the way out to the end. And again, not only will you feel it from the economic disruption that it has caused, but you're also going to see a different world. You're going to see people who look at their companies, their worlds, their investments, their ways of doing business. And in several ways, I think that the world of business as we know it now or as we're going through this is going to be slightly altered in the future. What What does that mean? Uh, I know Tyrese, um, she's a small business owner, and she said, you know, supermarkets have a lot to gain from this. She thinks that some some industries are actually going to gain like supermarkets. Is there any truth to that? You think some industries will gain from this? Um, I, I think that some industries as opposed to others, and I think it's all relative, will be um, not as badly hurt. Um, you know, certainly, you know, you look at this and what's at the top of the list for being in demand. It's certainly in this, your necessities, Okay to the toilet paper, to the sanitation wipes, to the Purells, um, then to your food, um, and making sure you have enough, not only because of the fact that you can't go out to the store, but the stores may not have what you need. Um, so it, it is true that there is more demand for those type of necessities, which the supermarkets will hold more of, but the downside of that is, you know, is there going to be a point in which they actually run out of the supplies that they can offer? Or 
if this thing stops a bit quicker than we think it will, then, you know, people are going to be sitting with a surplus of these goods on their hands and they won't be buying them for a bit going forward. My real concern, and, and again, I wouldn't say the supermarkets or the bigger stores um, are doing well. They're doing better relative to the rest of the economy. Okay, so it's not um, it's not like they're all high-fiving. No, I mean, because they're as worried as anybody else. And one of the big worries is their supply. I mean, their supply doesn't necessarily come from other big companies. They come from farms. They they come from small and medium businesses. They come, you know, through different routes, trucks, planes, boats. So if their supply is disrupted, then their business model is disrupted. And I think that's where a lot of examination should take place as to, you know, the real infrastructure of our economy, what is being done for the medium to small business companies that really employ more than half of the people in the country and what is being done about them. The supermarkets, the well-run food companies will do okay. They'll come out of this and they'll they'll be fine. I don't think they're going to... Um, again, set records, they're going to come out of this better. At least that's my thoughts right now. My concern is, well, what about the supply? What is being done for the small to medium-sized enterprises and below? Exactly. That's actually a, a question I read that is coming up. So I'm going to, let me, I'll, I'll ask it the way they asked it, but then um, definitely that's a question that's coming up. Um, this is an interesting one. I'm going to, you'll, you'll see that these questions come from very different people, but this is um, Wes, uh, at Wes Clemens 22 on, uh, on Twitter. And he says, why would a country cover, cover this up? What's the motive? And he's talking about China. Why would China, um, because you know a lot of the blame game, uh, or I say blame game, but a lot of the blame is on China. And they're saying, why would China cover this up for three weeks? What's the goal of covering up a virus? Why? Why? Because they supply, right? They're the, they're the beginning of the supply chain. They give us what we need for our medicines, right? They, they We rely on China for so many of the um, ingredients we use. So... Why would they have why would they have hidden this? Did they, you know, the the press has said they hid it for three weeks at least. Um, former HHS Secretary Mike Levitt said it was hidden for a few weeks. So why would why would a country that we rely on for supply uh, of ingredients and products cover something up economically? Yeah, there's there's a number of ways to look at it, which all have elements of the complete truth. Um, China is notorious for being inward lurking and does not like to reveal its problems to the rest of the world. In other words, we have this virus outbreak, we're handling it, you know, it doesn't affect anybody else except the people it's affected. So they want to show that they have control over any type of crisis, whether it be political unrest, whether it be um, you know, uh, a, a biological problem such as this, whether it be, uh, you know, stresses in the market, 
they're the ones who want to say we are staying in control. Number two is that they underestimated the, I think more than anything else, um, you know, the contagion factor that this disease was a lot more contagious than they realized. And, you know, once it came to bear that, you know, this was multiplying and people were dying, they really couldn't do anything about that then because then the cat is is out of the bag. Um, and they really don't want people to, of course, not deal with them in terms of trade and business. So at first, they're really thinking, hey, you know, we have this outbreak, but we can control it. It's not going to affect even the rest of China or it's not going to affect the rest of the world. Um, and we have to, uh, you know, run the line that, you know, we, we had this, we took care of it, but it's business as usual. Interesting. So it wasn't um, necessarily bad intentions. It was just not knowing what they had on their hands. Yeah. I mean, it's their typical policy to be self-policing. And, you know, oftentimes, you know, the information, real truth, real information coming out of China can be somewhat cryptic or ill-timed. You know, they underestimated what this was, as well as their ability to contain it or um, mitigate it. And that just didn't turn out to be the case. That's interesting. Okay, so this one, because, uh, again, um, people are watching the news and uh, Neil um, Schimler uh, at Schimler uh, Neil asked, um, he wants me to ask you directly, do you think China should reimburse us and other countries for their virus that got loose? Is that even possible? Uh, you know, anything's possible. Is it probable? It's highly, highly improbable. Um, I mean, to go to a nation like China saying you started this disease and because of you and your neglect, you spread it to the rest of the world. Well, you know, there's a lot of facts and there's, there's a lot of, um, truths, you know, that have not been revealed. Um, meaning that, you know, maybe some of the people who had it, you know, maybe they originated in China, but it really spread, you know, to other countries or other regions um, very quickly. Now, China did not invent this. They did not create it. It's something that happened to them. As I said before, I think their neglect or their, you know, undual optimism in, in order to contain it is neglectful and there may be ways of addressing that going forward but it would be certainly a nice um, opportunity if they were to reimburse um, people for what this has caused but not they, realistic just not realistic not, yeah, there's no chance that's going to happen a push in that direction may further sour relations with them um and then you know number three it gets down to well how do you quantify it if, if they should make good on this how much should they make good on i mean what is there a number out there that people are looking for and i think that's a very difficult task 
And then a question, which I, I mean, I'm going to have to put it together. It's been asked by um, Hannah. Put it, asked the question. Mike of Zarembo on Twitter asked this question, and it seems to be a big question. What? Uh, I'll just sum it up. What's going to happen to small business owners? What's going to happen to waiters and waitresses and retail workers? And what's going to happen to um, uh, yesterday? I read. Uh, this is part of my question too. One million jobs might be lost in March alone. Um, H&M just, uh, I read, just uh, closed all their stores and they're giving two weeks of pay. But that doesn't matter if, if, it's, if they're closed for two months. What, what, um, what, can, what, can, what happens in an economy like this? What, what can you imagine, I guess? Well, what, what I'm seeing more and more of really starting a week ago um, all the way up until yesterday is much more of the type of response that I would want to see from the federal government than we had before. A lot of the big programs, such as what the Fed has done, they're cutting rates, they're injecting liquidity into the market, they may, you know, help handle some of the transactions or the overnight financing for securities transactions, but they're also extending the commercial paper uh, program where where well-established companies can borrow money for up to about nine months. But none of those actions are really being dropped down, as I said before, to the next level. And this is a level where I believe two groups have to be involved, certainly the Small Business Administration, and they have already taken actions to bring out some of the low interest loans, provide some aid, um, and, you know, commit to a problem in which, you know, there, there may be pain and there may be confusion for a long time. I think you also need input from the federal government, um, you know, in the form of tax relief, in the form of postponements, in the form of, you know, some type of real monetary relief for these people because again you know they may not have the resources to last even two weeks without staying in business right um and that has to be recognized and addressed you know with the support of the federal government but at the local level but i know i, I know small companies who are trying to apply for loans right now through the sba there's you know a little pushback the process is um you know, tougher than it seems. Um, a big problem with this, Kathy, is that there's so much uncertainty as to who qualifies and who doesn't and who may not qualify today but will qualify tomorrow that makes it very, very uncertain. Now, I tend to be a bit more optimistic where I think that there will be aid available for the small and medium-sized businesses or the service businesses, but I do think they are going to suffer a bit and there are going to be some that, despite the aid, you know, really can't handle any sort of disruption and are going to go out of business. So ju that's just a fact. They're just going to go out of business. Some of them are, yeah. That, that's just, that's, you know, one of the... You know, byproducts of capitalism is that you know when 
you know, like to see this for these people, but, you know, capitalism, you know, gives you the chance to um, do well, but there's not a lot of safety when you come into a, uh, a crisis such as this. So through the power of, you know, the federal government, we'll be able to, and we are starting to do that, provide some levels of support out there for, you know, a lot of these small and medium-sized enterprises, but some of them are just not going to make it because of this. They're just not equipped and, you know, any type of disruption or crisis like this would really turn them upside down no matter what. Now, what I would what I would like to see um, in terms of addressing these, you know, small and medium-sized businesses, you know, is some type of group that works along with the federal government that is truly tasked with crisis mode. Um, we are in a situation that is not like the 2008-2009 financial crisis. Um, it's not like the, uh, the tech bubble breaking. It's an event that really was not caused by anybody, but we are still feeling the effects of it. I liken this type of event to post 9-11. That's probably my best analogy. Because it happened, there's been severe worldwide reaction to it on a lot of levels, but eventually, you know, we we came out of it, you know, about a year and a half later. But um okay, let's take a let's take a quick break. Hold on one second. Take okay. a quick break because um I think we still have advertisers <laughs> if if they haven't all left us. One second and I'll sure. get right back to you. Sure. At Made Coffee, we're here for the out late, up early, made to grind kind of go-getter. The movers and the shakers living on the bright side of hustle. That's why we formulate each brew to fuel the trailblazers, the creators, and the innovators. Sign up for Made Coffee subscription service today at drinkmadecoffee.com to receive cold brew from Florida's original canned cold brew company delivered straight to your door. Quality, damn good brew jamming with the caffeine equivalent to two cups of coffee packed into an 8-ounce, 90-calorie, slammable can. Order yours at drinkmadecoffee.com. Hey, Matt, you there? I'm here. Okay, so I, I, I grabbed some um, ice and vodka, and I'm ready to continue this conversation. <laughs> Because you're really depressing me. Okay, so Matt, you still are a human being, right? Yes. Like you, you, you're feeling the pain as well, like all of us. I am. I am. Okay, and you, you told me you're not a Republican, you're not independent, you're none of that. You're just like nonpartisan Wall Street dude. Is that correct? Yeah, that's correct. Okay. Uh, yeah, because I interviewed the HHS secretary on the health um, portion of all of this, and he was. Um, and is a Republican under uh, the Bush administration, three-term governor. But uh, it was just, just the facts, you know? So you would see yourself the same way. It's um, You wouldn't say you're a Republican. You wouldn't say you're a Democrat. You're just, um, you just know Wall Street. You just know, uh, you, you just know um, money matters, I guess, more than most of us who are confused of, of like what's going to happen. Is that about right? 
Yeah, it is. Um, you know, I, I tend to, as far as politics is concerned, follow people rather than um, rather than parties, and, and try to go with the person who I think can not only you know put forth the best ideas, but have the best chance of making them happen. Um, that I agree with, um, and uh, so it's all economics to you. It's just yeah, plain we, economics. It's it's yeah. Most of it is is economic policy, but I think. The human element of that, ha- you know, can certainly not be disconsidered in in terms of you know making the economy happy and healthy for the greatest number of people. Um, and as you said, I'm a human being. I, I'm facing um, challenges in my business. Um, I have two friends now who have been diagnosed with this virus. Um, my town has been shut down. Business has slowed, and you know, I'm getting a lot of calls from our investors and our clients. You're asking the, you know, $64 million question, what's next? What happens? How long does this last? So you're hearing the same exact thing. We all want a timeline. Everyone yeah. wants a timeline. Well, what people, you know, by nature, people do not like uncertainty. In finance, in fact, Uncertainty is really a, a different way of calling risk. Risk. I mean, market risk is market uncertainty. Credit risk is credit uncertainty. In other words, you just don't know. In this case, we don't know the future. None of us do. Okay, there's too many variables out there, some of which we know, some of which we don't know. Um, in terms of numbers of cases and how it's spreading and mortalities. But what has people really nervous is the fact that it's still up in the air. On one hand, this could last for another three months and, you know, businesses could really be shut down and and the global economy can really, you know, take a hit that would take years to come back from. And at the other end of the spectrum is that, over the next two or three weeks, you know, we've at least seen the top of this and we're starting to see not only some of the policies we, we put into place taking root, but also more confidence coming into uh, into the market. But, you know, people are scared. People are scared of entering a dark room. Why? Because they don't know what's in there. And even though it may be something good, the fear, the unknown is your is really the risk that people are taking up. But you've always told me that that's the way um, it always works on Wall Street. Uncertainty is always an enemy um, in even in times not like this. So now it's like uh, uh, in um, gosh, in economic terms, super duper bad, <laughs> right? Like yeah. uh, it's so this is you're comparing it to nine eleven. So we should think of this as post nine eleven is what you're saying. Uh, yeah, if we're looking to the past for lessons learned and you know items that we can choose from from back then that would be helpful now, you know what happened after that. Now, wasn't that you, a recession? Um, well, we were. We, we came into one following that, but right before that, we're just coming out of, um, you know, the tech bubble. Right, and, and, which and may have caused a recession, right? That's an argument which, yeah, in itself. Which got us close to a recession, then this happens, and then, you know, 
again, it's a completely unexpected, violent, impactful event that people really didn't know what to do about it. They'd never seen anything like this before. They'd never heard of anything like this before, at least not on the scale, and certainly not on, in this instance, not on the scale of this pandemic. So the, the fear is we don't know what this really means. Okay. Okay. Now, the risk that people fear is that invariably they think, well, if there's a change, especially right now, it's going to be for the worse. Well, change and uncertainty and risk is also opportunity. Well, but yeah, but I also heard from a a, a, a nanny today. She um she's a part time nanny. She works at a Montessori school, and they just closed down for a month with no pay. That's it, no pay. And she wanted me to ask you, now what do I do? Now, now I have no pay for a month, and that's it. They they didn't they didn't give an explanation. Uh, people don't need her nannying services because they're quarantined at home. They don't want her coming over. So this is just one one woman who is a, a Spanish teacher at a school, a private school. So they don't follow the public school rules. They just shut down for a month. No pay. What is she? What's her world now? Well, you know, two things. If 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 I was speaking to her face to face, yeah, it was, you know, with the income that is going to be hard to replace over the next month, if it does in fact stay closed for a month, would be you know trying to find another source of income that she can do. Obviously, easier said than done. I'm aware of that. And then number two, seeing if there is recourse against. Montessori or, you know, the, the location that she's in to be compensated for that. Um, that and those are the types of programs for people who are not being paid or being, you know, let go, um, in some instances, um, terminated, that, you know, there needs to be a support network out there outside of doing things your own way in order to survive. But who does so, that? The, the, does, does the federal government, the state government, the regional government, who, who does that for people? It really comes down from the Fed. Um, if you've been watching the uh, discourse between uh, Governor Cuomo of, of New York yeah. and, and Donald Trump, is that you know the, the states want the ability to administer the aid that they feel is necessary in their states, but they're going to need, you know, a, a, a big assist from the federal government and in particular the Treasury. Now, the Fed has dropped their rates. The Fed has said that they're going to input liquidity back into the system. And that's all well and good. But again, that goes back into the system at the banking level. It's now then up to the banks to make that money available to their customers um, and uh, to the people they do business with. Um, but for this person you're identifying, in addition to trying to find any way to replicate that <clears throat> income during this time, is to find out if there is a recourse through the Montessori school program or through local officials or through the Small Business Administration. Wow. And, and in the meantime, she has to buy groceries. So it, it's sad. Yeah. It, it, it's so real. Okay, this question came from, um, this is a, the last one. Uh, ben, uh, 
uh, Conger, uh, it's uh, at BD Conger. He says, this is for you directly. Do you foresee any positive or negative impact to the health insurance industry in terms of additional employment slash growth with these troubling times or are layoffs um, uh, headed on overall market trends of volatility, which you you already mentioned the second part of that. So he's asking about the health industry. Are, are they going to like, I guess it's like the supermarkets. Are they going to make a, a, a killing off of this with their um, looking for a, a new drug, looking for a vaccine? Well, you know, there are, there are going to be economically some winners from this, as I was saying before, on a relative basis. You know, think about the producers of hand sanitizers and and toilet paper and paper goods and um, other disinfectants. Um, you know, I think that whoever comes up with um, a vaccine for this or a way to neutralize it, um, you know, they... they if it works and it works consistently, they're they're going to be in a, a great position um, in terms of having something there that there's an overwhelming demand for, and not a lot of suppliers or any suppliers. So there there will be, and I hate to say this in the whole spectrum of something being so challenged, you know, there, uh, uh, of winners and losers, but there will be companies that do better than others because of this. And one will be a uh, you know a farmer or a health-driven organization that um, comes up with a vaccine or a cure. It, and um, gosh, it seems so heartless, doesn't it? It seems yeah, it, it seems it, it, it awful. Does. It, it does. Um, you know, and and you can sometimes think about it is that you know there's only a certain amount that's out there or available at this time. And I mean, you know, tests, I mean, um, government aid, I mean, deployment of resources such as the National Guard, um, you know, to get us back to where we need to be, there are going to be, you know, sort of a cascading effect. There's going to be, you know, where can we make the biggest impact first? and the second most big impact second and so on and so forth that you know some people are going to get missed and there are decisions that have to be made and some sacrifices that have to be made what do uh i i think back to uh the polio vaccine and um when when they didn't uh right the the uh, gosh i remember i wish i remembered his name i'm such a bad person but when they found (laughs) what is it Jonas Salk. Thank you um, for making me a better journalist. Um, so uh, he did not charge when he found the cure for the polio vaccine. Are they, yeah. You think those days are over? You, you think we're just heartless? Is Wall Street heartless? Are you heartless, Matt? No, I'm not heartless. <laughs> um, I think that despite what the media or the entertainment industry often depicts Wall Street people to be like, um, you know, we're humans and we suffer and feel the same things as everyone else. I do think there's an overwhelming need from a lot of people, including myself, as to wanting to help. Because you're seeing the pain. We're all so much more interdependent now. You're seeing the pain firsthand out there. So I see this in, again, 
ironically, as an opportunity for the good people to really show how good they are and maybe for others to, you know, sort of switch and say, you know what, normal times I'd be looking to see, you know, what I can do to make money off of this. Now I think that people are saying, well, I want to be a part of something that is going to change the world because when we're done or we've come through the worst part of this um, virus, um, you know, there's going to be parts of this that will impact us forever. And, you know, I want people to recognize that. But one of the things that you have seen from this is you have seen people, at least I've seen it, helping each other out. And, you know, our nation and our world is at its best when it's tested and the true colors of people come out. Now, again, there's always going to be profiteers. There's always going to be um, people looking to um, game a system um, or try to make money off of other people's panic. That's always going to be there. But I think this gives us another opportunity to show each other just how much more interrelated we are. So have you been lying to me? Are you really on Wall Street? Are you Wall Street guys really nice? Are, are, your, are your friends like you? Are your coworkers and colleagues like you? I've, Kathy, I've dealt with, you know, it's funny, I read a report where they said on a trading floor, at least uh, 20% of people that are sociopaths. And I looked at that and most people said, can you believe it? I said, yeah, I thought it'd be like 30 or 50%. <laughs> and it's a, it's a world in which um, your own only job is to make money. And so every day you are at war with your fellow traders, the customers at times, traders at other, um, other banks, um, you know, certainly the exchanges, and you're tasked with making money and you have to be very you know, focused on what can I do to make money because that's my job for the bank and for myself. Now, it's very tempting to, A, take advantage of someone, maybe not illegally, but, you know, morally take advantage of somebody and take their money. Or, and we've seen plenty of cases of this, where if I have the opportunity and a low chance of getting caught, I am going to proceed with what I can, again, in order to make the most money. My philosophy for myself and for the teams that, I ran. I ran two global businesses at American Express and Bank of Ireland, and I said I have zero tolerance for any type of illegal activity because if you feel you have to cheat, then you feel you're inferior, and I don't want you on your team. Number two, this is not the right thing to do, which is almost like saying, uh, you know, speaking another language to Wall Street people, hey, it's just not right. And then number three... It is enough of a challenge in that kind of job, and really every job, to worry about the regulators or law enforcement coming after you. And I think that people see the good outcomes from this last a lot longer than the profits made in the short term. And in that way, I think people have gotten smarter. Wow. See, so that's 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 the only reason I continue to talk to you and ask you questions. 
Because, uh, yeah, because you're not that 20% of a sociopath. Of, uh, uh, you're not that I'm a psychologist or anything. But uh, as, a, as a journalist, I always felt that you, um, it's so important. We have to connect emotionally. Uh, we have to explain things uh, more easily. I still don't know the hand signals, but you, you'll teach us that at another time when we don't have a pandemic going on. Sure. Um, but I, I do always appreciate you so much before I, uh, go on Fox business, um, and you explain things as best as you can to, um, a former, uh, English major, uh, <laughs> you know, but, uh, small entrepreneur and I'm feeling the pain as well. And, uh, I, it's good to know you all have a heart and, um, a, any, any final words of advice for, uh, those of us that are a little nervous, um, just yeah, the last thing is... It'll is be okay? That, It'll be okay? Yeah. <laughs> even, though, even though we haven't seen this exact situation before, this too shall pass. Okay. okay. And I think that we have enough people who are looking at it now, finally at this point, March 18th, a lot of resources and a lot of smart people that we will come through this. We're going to come out of it a little different, but... We're not going to have the days where we wake up and markets are limited down, you know, from overnight trading. We will come out of this. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna believe you because you've never been wrong before. And uh, where where should people find you um, if we do have uh, if we do come out of this and we want to make money with a nice person? Uh, where where can everyone find you? That's wonderful. Um, my company again is Finance IQ. Um, my uh, email is matt, M-A-T-T, at financeiq.net. Really? And it's okay if we all ask you questions on email and drive you insane? Absolutely. Okay, even if we're crying in the middle of the night? <laughs> um, I'm up late and I'm up early, so. <laughs> even if I'm out of um, my rum and mojitos and my vodka and I, I, uh, I, I need you to comfort me? Um, I'd be happy to help. Thank um, you. Because you know I'm Cuban and I, I need my mojitos. And a time like this, if there's a shortage of rum, I don't know what I'm going to do, Matt. So I may email you. Yeah, and then I might have a couple extra bottles to send down. <laughs> um, at the regular price. At the regular price? Oh, you're so Wall Street. I knew it to the very end. No. I knew not, it. I'm not going to gouge you. A discount would be nice at a time like this. I'm a small business owner, and oh, I'll forget it. I'll, I'll, I'll email you privately. So cool taking advantage of Cubans trying to make a living in this country. Okay, <laughs> all right. You're the, you're the absolute best, and thank you so thank much you, for your time. Thank you, thank you. Absolutely, thank you, and thanks everyone who uh, who wrote in questions. Um, We'll all get through this together. Yeah, yeah. Well, you told us we would, so we're going to believe you. I believe in myself. Yeah, I believe in you too. I always have. I love you, Matt. (laughs) Bye, Matt. Bye. Okay, thank you, everyone, for tuning in to this special edition of um, the Coronavirus Liberal Sherpa podcast. I'm not sure what else to call it, but um, we had um, former HHS Secretary Michael Levitt um and now we've had um matt wall street uh and you have his email and he's he's absolutely wonderful and he's never been wrong so we're gonna be okay
and Matt said so. And look for Catalina Magazine, believe it or not. My printer's open, so it'll be available paper and digitally on uh, pressreader.com with 400 million readers around the world and representing over 7,000 magazines and newspapers. So if you just want to learn about fashion right now and not deal with um, the coronavirus, go to pressreader.com. Thanks, everybody. Bye. Hey, America, Christopher Hahn here, the Aggressive Progressive Podcast. What is with the president and the right-wing echo chamber encouraging these astroturf protests against stay-at-home orders around the country? It's ridiculous, and it needs to stop. Check out the Aggressive Progressive Podcast wherever you download podcasts. I'm Royal Oaks. Next time on Too Many Lawyers, COVID continues to reshape the law. Supreme Court arguments will be held by teleconference. The justices won't even know if the lawyers are wearing pants, which is fair given the eternal mystery of what's under those black robes. Los Angeles County is springing 25% of its inmates. The sheriff suggests folks get ready for what might be a spike in crime. Check it all out on the next episode of Too Many Lawyers.